This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. While we are guaranteed the right to legal counsel in all criminal cases, there is no equivalent right in civil cases, and that often leaves low-income people with no ability to find representation in things like landlord-tenant disputes, foreclosures, evictions, debt collection, child custody cases, and domestic violence orders of protection. The Lee County Legal Aid Society is a private nonprofit that's been providing no-cost civil legal aid to low-income residents of Lee County since 1967, and starting last year, they've been expanding their efforts to assist immigrant children who have been abandoned, entered the country alone, or are victims of human trafficking, establish a pathway to legal citizenship. The expansion is made possible by a federal American Rescue Plan Act grant administered by the United Way of Lee, Hendry, and Glades counties. I spoke last week with the organization's executive director and one of their staff attorneys who's leading this immigration work. Let's hear that conversation now. Andrew Banier is executive director of the Lee County Legal Aid Society. Andrew, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Thank you very much for having me. And Eunice Gideon Leno is a staff attorney at LCLAS. Eunice, thanks for being here. Thank you for having us today. So for starters, I'd like each of you to tell us just a bit about yourself and your background and how you wound up doing the kind of work you do. Um, Andrew, we'll start with you. Well, I was always uh, really into politics when I was growing up. Um, like my parents would come in and, you know, in like 1992 or three, and they'd, they'd find me up late at night watching television and I'd be watching a Ross Perot infomercial. Um, I went into politics like right away. I uh, went to Washington, D.C. and found it to be uh, pretty slimy even back then in the 90s. So uh, when I went to Michigan State, I, I was kind of disillusioned with that. I went to Michigan State and I took a class on constitutional law and uh, I was reading opinions and the people had to say what they mean and usually the more logical side won and that was very attractive to me at the time uh, just as a way to – I guess most people aren't attracted to the purity of law but that's kind of what drew me. And um, since uh, since I made that decision, I've tried to focus on how I can help both the republic that I love and the people uh, that make it up. How long have you been with the Lee County Legal Aid Society? That has been five years and change now. And Eunice, what about you? Well, I'm actually a Haitian immigrant. I came to the United States when I was just five years old. And for me, um, being an immigrant really was what drew me to the immigration field. And growing up, I was mainly the person that would have to speak on behalf of various family members who didn't speak English. And so becoming an attorney and an immigration attorney was pretty natural to me. And I've been handling immigration cases for legal aid this, for this um, since two, 2022, and I, I enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Lee County Legal Aid Society has been around for a really long time, right, Andrew? That's correct. It was started in 1967, so it's a pretty old institution. Um, we're going on 60 years now, I guess. We're closing on it. And what's been really exciting in the last five years is we've been able to expand uh, our reach and focus dramatically. Um, we used to just really be in the business of making sure that children had the resources they need, meaning child support and other provisions of, of um, support from both parents. But um, we've been able to expand into um, debt collection, into landlord-tenant matters, and with um, Eunice's expertise with into immigration. What allowed for that expansion starting around five years ago? Well, um, 
I think it was really um, a change in leadership. I mean, it was myself and our legal director, Blair Domenico, were suddenly at the wheel of the agency, and we felt that there was much more that we should be doing beyond what we had historically done. So we immediately just started expanding where we knew and grew outward from there. Uh, how many uh, paid staff do you guys have, and like what roles are those people? Because I know there's a lot of you know pro bono work and volunteers and things like that. What's it, the core group? It's true. The, the core group is 10 people, um, and that includes four attorneys, including myself, um, Ms. Domenico, uh, Eunice, and Ashley Ferrone. Um, we are currently looking for uh, a staff attorney to handle landlord-tenant housing matters. Um, so uh, if anybody out there is listening and has a law degree, uh, I will train you. It will be great. Uh, how many volunteers do you have? What roles do they play? Um, Roughly, it's it's hard to calculate volunteers because they just they, there's so many of them that have different capacities. But one of the most important is we have a clinic that we run uh, every single week with a panel of attorneys, and we've had people who volunteer their hours of their time every week for for four or five years now. And I would say there's probably ten or twelve of them. Um, we have another handful of people that, you know, come when they can. There's probably another 10 or 12 of them. Um, and they may be there once or twice a month. And then when we have events, um, like after Hurricane Ian, we, we did our best to you know, pass out diapers and clothes and food on the street. And we have a whole different crop of, of volunteers that come to events like that. Uh, if somebody hears, you know, legal aid, they would think this would be about court proceedings and things like that. But the work you do goes pretty far beyond that, right? Well, I mean, our, we do have to focus on, you know, where can our attorneys make a difference? And sometimes that might be in a library talking to a group of people. Um, it might be passing out diapers to people on the street if we've just had a massive disaster and it, it may very well be arguing in court. But one of the things that we look for is team players who want to do a team job rather than a specific field. We want an ensemble who are helping each other. Uh, we recently talked on this show with folks from the, um, the Guardian Ad Litem Foundation in the 20th Judicial Circuit, now called Anna's Friends. Seems like there would be some overlap with what they do and what you do. Certainly. I think uh, we probably ask Eunice um, because Eunice is probably our, our contact person, our point of contact for the Guardian Ad Litem's office. Yeah. So basically, um, we have an existing relationship with Honest Friends, um, and they have the ability to refer cases of youth that they serve who are like abandoned, abused, and neglected. If the young person is, you know, without status, um, we have the capability of representing the youth, you know, through the immigration process, um, helping them to obtain immigration status, and you know, create a pathway to lawful permanent resident status. And so they're one of our community partners that we, we are very proud to work with. Uh, you guys have quite a few community partners. I was looking through it. Can you just break them down a little bit? Certainly. We have uh, we work very closely with the Act Shelter Abuse Counseling and Treatment is one very important source of referrals. Um, the United Way field houses are a tremendous asset to everybody here because they are staffed by people who can make connections with people in the community who have unfortunately legitimate reason to distrust authority and um, spread the word about what services are available. So the United Way field houses are, I think, really critical and we do get a lot of referrals from them as well. One thing I learned from uh, about the system on reading up for this that I don't like, think I realized before was that there's no constitutional right to an attorney in civil cases. 
Is that correct? It is. Um, so if, if you are charged with a crime that can be punished by jail, the Constitution guarantees a right to attorney. That's the Miranda warning that people see read on television. Um, and it is largely accurate what is what is depicted. I mean, those are, those are rights that, that everybody has. Uh, but it, it does not extend to anything but a, a crime you're charged with where you could possibly go to jail. Everything else is either the person's responsibility to find an attorney or the community's responsibility to provide attorneys when it's necessary and good for everyone. And the best way to begin is to assess the needs of children and find out what we can do to make their lives better and work upward from there. And that's what we've done historically. That's what we're doing with immigration as well. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guests. Andrew Banier is executive director of the Lee County Legal Aid Society, and Eunice Gideon Leneau is an immigration attorney and is one of the LCLAS's staff attorneys. She oversees its program that assists immigrant children and teens who have been abandoned, entered the country alone, or are victims of human trafficking. We're learning about the work the 56-year-old private nonprofit organization does, providing free civil legal aid to low-income residents of Lee County. If you'd like to engage with the show about today's topic, just find us on Facebook or on X, I guess formerly known as Twitter. I'm still not used to that. Um, so tell us about the grant that you guys got as part of the American Rescue Plan, Andrew. Well, uh, Congress uh, passed the American Rescue Plan Act to help uh, communities affected by the COVID shutdown and um, exactly how that resulted in our ability to you know, do immigration work, I, I'm i not exactly sure, but I'm very grateful for it because it is making our community a much better place. Um, we have, through this grant um, that was provided to the county and administrated by the United Way, um, the ability to um, triage and legally address the needs of children in this community who are here through no decision of their own, through no fault of their own, but without any legal status because they don't have any parents around, they don't have any guardians around, and they're just here. So I don't think there can really be any question that um, those children are better off with um, the trappings of, of um, residency in this country that allow them to go to school and that will eventually allow them to, to get a job, which is what Eunice is actually doing. We're going to pivot to you in just a second. Uh, uh, were you already doing some immigration work under the expansion that you mentioned before and this bolstered it or did this sort of kick it off? This really provided us with the opportunity to shift Eunice to where she belongs. I mean, when I, I started, Eunice was, was, was a staff attorney um, basically doing child support enforcement. And while she was very good at that, Eunice has a background as a USCIS immigration officer. Um, Eunice is fluent in Creole. I mean, there, there's just a lot of factors that lead her to be a perfect choice for to lead our immigration effort. And until the American Rescue Plan Act and the United Way's um, enthusiasm for for starting an immigration initiative, um, that really wasn't just financially possible. So while we've had the desire for the last three or four years, it was really the American Rescue Plan Act uh, administered through the United Way that made what we're doing possible. So Eunice, explain like how this program works, um, who are the kinds of kids that you work with and how they wind up connected to you. So basically, we work with a lot of unaccompanied um, children, which means that the children are here in the United States alone without any parents or any caregivers to provide or to supervise them. And so 
normally we would get a referral from Catholic Charities, uh, Guardian Lightum Program, and the first thing we would do is we would assess the situation. And a lot of times, because they're unaccompanied and they've been abandoned, abused, neglected, or trafficked, um, there is this uh, special program created just for youth um, minors who are in this position. And so the first thing we would do is we would file a family law petition with the family law judge. And uh, we would basically file a petition for dependency or petition for custody to sh- and with special findings that would I uh, that would spell out that this child is a special immigrant juvenile because they're under 21, unmarried, and usually they have no caregiver or they're abandoned, abused, and neglected, and it's not in their best interest to return to their country. So the family law judge would put this all in the court order, followed by us filing a petition for, for SIJS in immigration. It would be the I-360 Petition for Special Immigrant Juvenile Status. And USCIS has 180 days to make a decision on that petition. Once the petition is approved, then we will file a application for a work permit for the child. And once they obtain the work permit, they will have a work permit for four years. Um, unfortunately, they can't apply for the green card right away. It's typically a five-year wait for the permanent residence or green card application. So in the meantime, they are working lawfully with the uh, work permit, and they have a Social Security number. They can work lawfully, pay taxes, and just contribute you know, to society and, 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 and be here lawfully. Uh, what are the kinds of things, once you start this process, that determine whether it is successful or not? It seems, I mean, will, will every kid who falls into that category be able to proceed through this process? Or are there things that you have to overcome or they have to overcome to, to make it possible? I mean, they have to basically, I mean, the judges, you know, have to follow the law. And sometimes, you know, there aren't enough, there isn't enough information to allow for the order to be issued. And so at that point, they have to consider other options. Okay. Uh, How many kids have you helped so far through that process? So far, I've had 191 cases, and 30 of them have been um, special immigrant juvenile status cases. Hmm. And the other ones are still in progress? Right. We, um, I have other cases such as TPS, and um, there are some youth that I've um, assisted with their um, immigration court cases. And so um, basically we have a diverse you know, diverse caseload, different areas. Incidentally, Um, if I may. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jump right in. Uh, Incidentally, TPS, that's temporary protected status. And what that is, is it's, there's a list of countries maintained by the State Department. And if you come from one of these countries, you are entitled to temporary protected status in the United States. And so that's another tool that Eunice is using uh, for children who qualify. Uh, what are the countries that are currently uh, uh, available for TPS? I know it's shifted over the years and there's some contention right now, right? Who are the, what are the countries right now, Eunice? Ukraine, Cameroon, um, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Haiti, just to name a few that are on top of my head. Hmm. Um, I, I, can you give an example? I, you know, the press release that you, or the, the op-ed that you wrote in Florida Weekly, you talked about a certain young man. Can you just kind of give the short version of that story? 
Yeah, so uh, Wilson um, was a 16-year-old young man. He was found in his car, homeless and drunk. He was placed into foster care. And while in foster care, um, we were able to work with um, the department to obtain a, a special immigrant juvenile status order for him. We were able to apply for the I-360 petition. It was approved, and he, he was able to obtain his work permit for four years. He has a Social Security card. He's working lawfully, and, you know, he has a newborn now. And, you know, this couldn't be possible without the ARPA grant that we received from United Way. Uh, Andrew, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed SB 1718 into law back in May. Um, It's considered one of the strictest immigration laws in the country. Has it impacted the work that you guys do? Yes. uh, On a day-to-day basis, it certainly does. Um, It creates a situation where a person who hires somebody without status can now be charged with a felony offense for, for hiring them. And so um, we've, we've been asked a lot, like, did this generate our immigration expansion? It, it really didn't. I mean, this started um, before Governor DeSantis began his presidential run and, in my opinion, the concordant legislation that, that came from that. And it has made it very challenging to navigate certain very delicate situations in, in the context of family law in particular. Um, but in terms of immigration, it just means that we really need to do something to help these children so that they have the ability to get a job, um, which is, of course, what they want to do um, when they turn 18. I was reading through your website uh, to read up on you guys, and there was a – I forget what section it was in, but uh, the demand is greater than the supply. Can you just explain how much more work you could do if given enough resources to meet that demand? Well – Right now, we are doing amazing work with the funding that we have, and we're very grateful for it. But it's going to run out in 2024. And I think that we, the, the amount of work that we can do right now is dependent on how much time Eunice and her team have in their day. And if we can get another paralegal on Eunice's team, that means that we can take, I would say, probably – close to a third or, or even you know half as many cases as, as we do now. So, I mean, there, it will depend as we move forward in the next year and, and we start making sure that, that different people in the community are aware of just the very impressive metrics that, that Eunice has posted so far. Um, we're going we're gonna to gauge what level of support there is in the community for what we're doing. And I hope that everybody sees the value just as we do. Are you looking for more volunteers? I mean, are you always, I think that's always a, uh, it's almost a rhetorical question, I think, when I ask nonprofits that, because probably the answer is, of course. Yes, but we have such particularized things that we do that many of, many, much of what we do, you need certain qualifications. You need to be either a licensed attorney or someone with legal training to help with the bulk of, of actually intervening in people's lives and, and changing them. Um, there are many events that we conduct to support the efforts of our attorneys. And for those, we absolutely positively need need volunteers. There are ways for licensed attorneys to get involved from the comfort of their office, from the comfort of their couch, and actually just hit a button and, and join a Zoom room and give poor Florida residents legal advice along with a team of other attorneys who, who operate in a very collegial environment. So 
Um, there are many, many, many opportunities for people with legal training. Um, there, are, there are many opportunities for, for those um, who just want to find some way to support the work that we're doing as well. And just to highlight something you just mentioned, that's one of the services you provide is 20-minute blocks of free legal aid, not, not representing somebody, but just having somebody to listen, right? Correct. That was another, another thing that uh, Ms. Domenico and I came up with was the idea that, that we just need to start triaging people just one right after another, a kind of a, a legal help that we call next legal help because when you're done, you say next. And just one after another, uh, people come and present whatever problem that they have. It, it has to be a legal problem, but otherwise it can be anything. And as you can imagine, after listening to those legal problems and, and having discussions with panels of attorneys, um, just one right after another for five years. I mean, it, we've had thousands and thousands of, of now conversations, consultations, and, and um, solutions for really every conceivable kind of legal problem. So what's really fun is that you, if you don't know the answer, it's okay because there's somebody else on the panel who does and then you, you learn something. And if you sit there long enough, you learn a lot. Eunice, I'm going to give you the last word. Um, you know, we were just talking about how, you know, if you had another paralegal. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine, could you imagine having a bigger team and the work you can do? Can you just kind of put that into words? Yes. Um, there's a huge need for immigration services in our area, especially for minors. You know, a lot of the time they don't have any money and um, they need representation in court. And they need represent, you know, they need representation to fill out immigration forms. So the demand is great, and there's and there's a huge need. And I believe that if legal aid were to expand and um, hire more staff, we could we could expand our reach to even Hendry, Glades, and you know, other neighboring counties. Like the United Way uh, covers, but you guys are the Lee County Legal Aid Society, so you're just Lee County, right? Yes, but. We also have something we call the Charlotte County Legal Aid Society and okay. our plan. Are you involved with it too? We are it. And um, <laughs> we also, um, we think that there's more work to be done around Southwest Florida. So um, as Eunice just indicated, it is our hope to eventually um, have the resources to start doing immigration work in Glades and Hendry as well. All right. Well, thanks to my guests. Uh, Andrew Banier is executive director of the Lee County Legal Aid Society. Uh, Andrew, thanks for coming in and for the work you do. It's my pleasure. And Eunice Gideon Leno is an immigration attorney who works with the LCLAS. Eunice, thanks to you as well. Thank you for having us today. Visit our website, wgcu.org gcl, to find links to details about eligibility requirements to get help from the Lee County Legal Aid Society, as well as links to their various services, including their free online 20-minute legal consultations. If you missed any of the show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website or wherever you find podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Cow. Again. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.